Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 810. This is the second part of a talk I'm having with Camille Pardo, a designer, an illustrator, and the guy behind the Ford GT. I once bought a car that didn't have meaning. And I re- I will never, ever do that again. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Camilo Pardo. Camilo, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I've been buckled up in the seat for as long as I can remember. (laughs) There you go. Camilo Pardo is an automotive designer and artist who lives in Detroit, Michigan. After graduating from design school, he was hired by Ford Design Center, where he worked in the Dearborn Advanced Studios. He also worked in Ford of Europe in Torino. Italy Studio and the Design Studios in Cologne, Germany. And as chief designer of the Ford GT and SVT Studio, Camilo and his team worked on the 2005 and 2006 production of the iconic Ford GT. Today, he has his own studios in Detroit and Los Angeles, where he draws and paints both automotive and fashion-themed artwork. Camilo has hosted the Detroit Autos Designers Night, an internationally recognized event, attended by the top automotive personnel and designers from around the world. Okay, Camilo, we're going to continue our talk from uh, show number 809, and we're going to learn a little bit more about your past. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back in your time here and talk about your first really special car, that first car that you got way back when that had a lot of meaning for you, and maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Let me tell you, the only car that I can tell you that stands out was I once bought a car that didn't have me. Now say that again. (laughs) (laughs) I once bought a car that didn't have me. And I I will never, ever do that again. So every car that I bought has had meaning. And then once I tried to buy like a normal car. Something just to get from A to B. And I was so bummed out. I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You know, I says, why do I even get in this thing? So I'll, I won't do that again. Every car that I buy, I'm excited and can't wait to go see it. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than buying another car, <laughs> <laughs> but they have to be a great car. You know, it has to be a, significant car. It doesn't have to be an expensive car. Right. It just has to be significant. So the first car, let's just start with first car then. Okay. First car, I'm in high school. Somehow I talked mom into the fact that I needed a car so that we can drive to school because we were too we we're too close to get on a bus and it was one long walk. Yeah. So she, she, you know, she gave me a little bit of money, and uh, I bought a 72 Roadrunner. Oh. And that was my first car. Wow. I bought it with a blown clutch. I remember my uncle helped me nurse it home from a very bad neighborhood in Detroit. So we went to pick this thing up. It's like metallic gray with the big slots on the side. It had a snorkel scoop and huge aluminum mag wheels and tires. 
So it really, it looked like a drag strip, drag strip monster. Yeah. And, um, this is going to be car one. I'm going from the skateboard to that. Okay. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we took it home. I managed to get to my buddy's barn and we rolled it in a barn and put it up on jacks. And we had a good idea where the clutch was. So we dropped, you know, the drive shaft and the biggest, heaviest four speed in the world. I dropped it on my skateboard and rolled it back <laughs> and then replaced that fried toast that was in there. We got the flywheel turned and off we shot out of the garage, you know, like, you know, back to the future or something. Sure. It was extremely fast. I'll bet. And uh, that was car one. Second car in high school was a Barracuda, 1970. Oh, okay. And uh, it continued from there. I, You know, the last car that I bought, and it wasn't that expensive, but I really love it, is a 76 Spitfire. Oh, you got to nice. have a convertible in L.A. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell our listeners, this is coming from Camilo, a guy who drives around the country in a Ford GT. So this guy walks his talk, drives his drive, and I always say that there's got to be that look back. If you're driving a car that when you park it and you walk away from it, you don't look back, you don't care about it. <laughs> and it's no way to live life, right? I look at my car every time I park it. Yeah. And I'm very, very happy. You know, I could be alone, you know, in the bar sitting there, and I'm smiling. And they're like, why is that guy so happy? He's got a 67 Fastback sitting in front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I just feel good. I feel good. It yeah. doesn't matter what's going on. I feel great because I have that outside. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's important. When I was dating my wife, we've been married 33 years now. And I remember uh, every time we'd walk away to go out on a date or something, I'd always look back. She goes, why do you always look back at your car? Are you afraid that it's going to roll away or something or get away? And I said, no, I'm just so happy to have it. You know, and she just kind of rolled her eyes. But I think she knew what she was in for way back when that uh, she stuck with me. She was always going to be with a car guy. So I get it. Our listeners get it, too, Camilo. So great story. Well, how about the old seller's remorse, tear in the eye? I'm sure you've had one of those that really stands out for you. What is this? The seller's remorse story. The car that you let go that you always wish you had back in the garage. Oh, that. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, um, let me see. I wish at this point I had my Barracuda. Oh, okay. Oh, and there was one car, yes, that I was forced to sell. I was living in Italy, and I had bought a Fiat 500 like a, a, an old one, you know, the original model. Right. Actually, I, I had three of those. Oh, cool. But um, I did manage to make some money doing some art on the side. And I took the money and I bought a Citron DS. Now, I do have, like, you know, I'm excited and crazy about performance cars. But there are certain luxury cars that I love. And like I've, I've owned a uh, 66 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. I love those kind of architectural, beautiful lines. And the Citron DS for, you know, I don't know if anybody or everyone knows what that is, but that is, that's like a very, very advanced car for its time. The lines on it are, are almost aircraft-like. And it, uh, the Citrons were very advanced. 
during that time, especially the Maserati one with Maserati engine. But right. these things look like spaceships on the street. Yep. And it is extremely fashionable. It's a very fashionable car. It has a lot of style. It has flair. It's, you know, it's something that basically uh, the picture of Paris would probably be the Eiffel Tower, the Arc, and a Citron. Yes. You know. So I had to have one. I bought it, and I used to drive it around Torino. And the thing is huge, too. It's a four-door, and mine was white and had a dark burgundy interior, like really dark burgundy. And it was like sitting in the opera in there. Had a great cassette player, you know, with a good sound system, <laughs> and I could take all my friends around town in this thing. They loved it. Yeah. Um, we were going to ship it home. We were scheduled to ship home the Fiat and the Citroen. There was uh, a container already set up, and then suddenly, you know, two weeks before I was coming home, they were t- they were notified that these vehicles have to be service and federalized as soon as they arrive to the U.S. And if there isn't somebody there that's certified when they open the crate that will be paid and takes the car, the crate will be closed and I will be charged rent by the day until I find somebody that, you know, is official for whatever. And the reason was they weren't 25 years old. They had to be a 71. Mine were 74s. I see. So I scrambled for two weeks all over Torino to buy two more. (laughs) I found a Fiat because during those years, and it was the mid-90s, you could buy Fiat anywhere and everywhere. You could buy beautiful ones, nasty ones. They were all over the street, these little 500s. And they'd been like that since they started. So I went and found a bunch of them, and I bought the best one. But the Citron was very, very difficult to replace, especially the 74, because I think that was the last model of that, um, the last model of that body style. But I would have took anything that would have been available from 71, and it, it just didn't work. So I had to sell it the night before I got on a plane yeah. to a buddy of mine. For the same price, it was 5 million lira, which right. is what, $3,000 back then. Nothing. Oh, yeah, the Citroen DS. Whew. And, of course, the designer of that car, Flaminio Bertoni. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is educational for me. I never, <laughs> you know, after all this, I never investigated who designed that car. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, those cars built in France. I think they were built in Paris. Well, they actually had uh, some facilities around the world where they built the uh, the cars. But um, the Citroen DS very unique, very unique car. Once you've seen one, you'll never forget it. I was in Paris years ago. I think it was 2011, and I was walking through the streets, and a bright pink Citroen DS came driving down the road. I'll never forget it. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's wild. But yeah, yeah, everything Paris. There's enough shape in there to, um, yeah. I mean, even in the most simple color, let alone pink. Yeah, pink was different. But coming from a designer that loves performance cars, you know, involved with Ford GT. There's a side of me that does appreciate the drama and the intensity of a luxury car. I own a 64 Thunderbird, and that is an extremely well-detailed luxury 
you know, vehicle yeah. for the time. You know, it's, it's designed to make a serious statement like a Lincoln. So designing things like the T-Bird, and I was one of the designers on the 03 T-Bird. Mm. And the period of time that I had doing designs of Lincolns, th- those those cars are a lot of fun. It's it's extremely emotional. Those kind of dramatic cars. It's it's like designing a very intense evening gown for a beautiful woman. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the dress that no one will ever forget. Right. You yeah. know, when she walks in the room. That's it's it's got the same kind of impact. Sure. You know, when it pulls up, it's like, wow, look at this, you know, and that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Of course. So yeah. those vehicles, if you're working inside a, a large company like Ford, either it goes really fast or it looks, well, they all look amazing. Well, they should, but either it's really fast or just tremendously striking, you know, and luxury usually has the budget for it. Yeah, I I had an aunt when I was a little boy in 64, 65 that had one of those Thunderbirds. And I'll never forget that car because it was red and it just looked like the eyes or the headlights looked like eagle eyes or something. It just, I remember standing there going, man, this thing is crazy, just crazy. So, uh, but she always had cool cars. She had a T-Bird before that. So very cool. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are you working on right now that has you really excited and fired up, Camilo? Oh, let's see. Right now, I, I have to, I'm in the, I'm in Detroit. I have to go to, um, Los Angeles, and I have to put together a painting. I have to do a painting of a 1940 Cadillac convertible. <laughs> and uh, that's an extremely dramatic car. And um, I'm excited about that. That is on the fine art side. There's also three four GT paintings that have to be finished. And with the uh, Ford GT National Rally coming up in uh in August after Pebble. It would be great if I had another painting of the new race car. Mm, yeah. So there's a stack of art <laughs> yeah. on top of being on the road. The other thing that's coming up in January that will be faster than you can imagine because years seem to go quicker. Yeah. You know, as you get older, that'll be our 20th anniversary of the uh, the designer's night here at my studio. Oh, exciting. 20 years is a long time. I can't believe it's been that long since we were dancing in that front room, you know, <laughs> yes. with Jay Mays, who sponsored the gig. <laughs> I can remember out there going, that was great. And he goes, next year will be better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So here we are all these years later. Congratulations, by the way. I'm working on something that I don't know if it's confidential or right now. I haven't, I, I, I finished a vehicle in math data and it got, you know, as far as many concepts get. And it was for a company called Loco Motors mm, uh-huh. that um, does 3D printing. And I did, uh, they asked me to do a 3D printed electric car. And I did my version of what I think an electric car should kind of be. I mean, electric cars are going through so many demands. And it's extremely hard to do a round-up vehicle uh, for a lot of companies because of all the federal stuff. Mm-hmm. Safety, airbags, a million things. And I said, look, what if we did something that was more along the line of a moped? 
Hmm. You know, that way you're relieved from the airbags and you're relieved from head-on impact. I mean, a moped and you're a moped. Right. You, you know, you lose it, you lose it. Just right. talk and roll. <laughs> so I said, let's start with that as a parameter. And I did a vehicle for a single passenger. But at least you were a little bit more contained. Mm-hmm. So if you hit something, you had like some body around you and you were sitting down. And it actually looked like a combo between a bike and a Formula One car. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you sat down in this really awesome shape with a big tire behind you and a motor and batteries. Yeah. But it took electric car to some other level. We were at SEMA discussing it during the John Warniak's um, design and technology conferences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we discussed it and I said, I want to design something that James Dean would pull up in 2025. There you go. Cool. You know, not something for you and the kids in the groceries. Right. You're going to have to have personal little units, too. You can't just have them all be like tiny minivans. So let's take electric car to the fun thing. Because when you asked me about what was it, the the low period or whatever it is, the yeah. one thing that was like, mm, uh, you know, I I was in uh, I was designing electric cars just before I got on the Ford GT project. Wow, electric and hot and hydrogen. And let me tell you, back in those years in the nineties, batteries were bigger and more expensive. But we knew that the future was going to be an electric and. Um, they were difficult cars to design. They were big and they were like giant fiestas that were expensive as Lincolns. Yeah. Now, who's going to buy a really tall, big fiesta? It'll cost you as much as a Lincoln. So we're trying to figure out the market. Let me tell you, it was, it was tough. It was very tough and depressing. And I actually was thinking about moving to New York and doing fashion. <laughs> just that thank, depressing yeah <laughs> thank god i didn't do it because i got on t-bird no this was after the t-bird project because we started t-bird project while i was in italy okay. which is an interesting story yeah but yeah and then suddenly bam they're like camillo you're gonna get on gt40 you know project and i was i was in italy wrapping up a hydrogen powered vehicle that was going to frankfurt and since the design was already done and we're just tuning it in, in a, you know, hard materials and getting it ready for paint, I was sketching GT40s, you know, on the side. Nice. You know, I was, I was just already, I'm like, I'm out of here. I am gone. This is where I want to be. Yeah, man, imagine if you'd left. Holy cow. Wow. Well. Yeah, so, no, yeah, so I'm glad that I didn't. Everything worked out overall, you know, for the best. Sure. You know, because... I think the team and I that worked on this car, I think that we actually, we did a vehicle that you can put on the shelf with the evolution of all the cars that got me into the business, the P4s, the Ferraris, the Cobras, and there's our Ford GT, and now we're moving along. You know, there's the new Ford GT, there may be a mid-engine vet, and there's La Ferrari and all this stuff, but we made a contribution to the evolution of those amazing cars. And that's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. There you go. Absolutely. Congratulations. Now, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would Camilo be? 
and why? Oh my God, what would I be? And I've been criticized a lot about some of these things because I'd rather go in a car that's slightly slower that looks better. <laughs> I you know? gotcha, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, what? A Mira, a Countach. I love the Mira. Oh, and yeah. the Countach looks better all the time, again and again. I like the old Lambos better than the new ones. The new ones are too busy. Because everyone's trying to do... The goal was to have the impact of your vehicle the way that the Countach impacted the world. When that came out, I mean, everyone was silent for like years. Oh my God, we can't outdo this thing. It's just amazing. So now the Lambos today, they just try so hard, but it's a new generation. They love transformers and transformers are very, very busy in every little area. There isn't room for one more detail. Mm -hmm. I like things like, like I said, like the Mira is extremely beautiful and sexy. It's not fast. I mean, it's built like an old tank. I guess I have to think about the cars that I love the best. I forget the name of the car that uh, Villeneuve drove in the early 70s. Gilles Villeneuve. Are you talking about his Formula One cars? In, in what era yeah. are we talking about? Right when he died. The T4? That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It um the the um, it almost looked like a man array. Yes. Like an SR seventy one jet. It was a big flat surface and it just came up, you know, up into the cabin and then back yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the car. Absolutely. The car is just so incredible. Now we've got speed. You sure. know. So we've got speed and shape and form. So that that is one of my favorite I do, I do love the GTO, the '84. Okay. And um, <laughs> so you're all over the place. If you were a car, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know because I've been asked by, by you know, some of the magazines, what are your favorite cars? You pick three. It's yeah. usually those. So I, I do like those, uh, those shapes, and yeah, and I'm waiting for people to um, achieve that kind of sophistication in their surface design, you know, their surface development. I think Ferrari's come a long way, you know, with um, with the new um, 458, because I wasn't happy with a lot of the Ferrari shapes. You know, I was never a fan of the 348 or the 355. You know, I was always like, the 84 GTO, they still can't pass that, or the, um, the P3, P4. Right. They finally got that really beautiful, sexy surface. And if you want to be a car, you know, to me, that's what you got to be, a P4 or maybe La Ferrari. But there's there's something about a P4 or even the, the Dino, which looks like a, a smaller P4, that is so graceful and sexy. Yes. Um, La Ferrari gets a little bit complicated. You know, for me, I, I, I like things to be very simple, mm -hmm. simple and clean. I don't think the cars need everything on them to be great. You know, and when I was working with SVT and, you know, we're trying to do a new Cobra Mustang and all they want to do is put more stuff on it. And I was like, no, no, let's just do less stuff and do it nice. I understand. That's why I like a vehicle like the Mira, everything that it has is wonderful, yeah. and it doesn't have a lot, but maybe that's not enough for um 
today's new, um, you know, young, very excited buyer that needs, you know, like a, a Lamborghini like today that it looks like an origami folded <laughs> a billion times. There you, know, you just, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So, Camilo, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Well, Camilo, we are up to what I call the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So. Here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy a Ferrari. <laughs> and Ouch. you know what I did? I bought one. Of course. Well, the thing was that they say it's like you'll never be able to like, you know, afford the maintenance and this and that. It was like so many stories and horror stories and I guess, well, I guess it wasn't the best. <laughs> I don't know. Don't buy a car until you have a house. I yeah. bought the car first. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Well, see, so I get all this advice, and I'm just... <laughs> you, I, you don't pay I attention. go the other way. Of course, of course. That's what we all do when it comes to cars. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Well... You know, like I tell some of my students, you got to be number one 
They'll remember number two, but they won't remember number three. So you might as well go for number one. There you go. Always striving for the best. Now about a resource. There's lots of great resources out there these days, but is there one in particular you really enjoy? Mm. I mean, I do like all the um, the stuff that is available on the Internet, but I, I like to be physically there at the track or the auto show. Yeah, much better. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a interesting question for you. If you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? That's a heavy one. Yeah. In the automotive industry. Yeah, it could be a past designer, it could be a racer, could be uh, anybody from the automotive industry. Well, I'd like to have a couple of drinks with Aaron Senna. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. <laughs> I love him, in too. Monaco. Yeah, in Monaco would be even better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I like Senna so much. I've, my listeners have heard this. I have one of his quotes on the back of my business card. I just, I love Senna. I enjoyed following him during his day. Uh, he just seemed like such a passionate person when it came to what he was doing. So, uh, yeah, a drink with Senna would be nice. I'll come along with you. I'd love to be sitting at that table as well <laughs> to listen to both of you talk. Now, about a book, is there a book that you've read that you've really enjoyed you think our listeners should read as well? How about if it's a book that you just look at the pictures? <laughs> the words from a designer. Well, there are so many <laughs> great, coffee, what I call coffee table car books out there that have beautiful imagery, photography, and so forth. So, Well, here, I'll tell you the book. Okay. It's Obligon by Sid Mead. Oh, yes, of course. Well, Sid was a guest here on Cars, yeah, a couple months ago. Incredible guy. And, yeah, that is a great book. It doesn't matter what you're into. You could be into accounting. (laughs) You could be, you know, you could be into um, whatever other, you could be into law. But if you're a designer or an architect or, you know, an artist. Yes. You know, that book has tremendous gravity. And it's just one of several. Sentinel was one, but I really like Obligon. Maybe Sentinel will hit the spot on other people, but one of Sid Mead's big, thick books would definitely do it. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Camilo has shared on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com slash Camilo Pardo. His name is spelled C-A-M-I-L-O and his last name P-A-R-D-O. There's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. While this book by Sid Mead, again, who's been a past guest here and all the past 800 plus guests who've recommended books. I made it really easy for you. Just go there, check them out, click and buy. Awesome, awesome library of resources there. All right, Camilo, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world, anything that exists. Don't worry about the cost because I'm writing the check today. What would that car be and why? It would be a reproduction P4. Ooh. And let me tell you why it would be a reproduction P4. Because I'm going to drive it (laughs) on the track. And if it was a real one... It would be worth, what, $10 million? Come on. I want to go out there and, you know, wear out some tires. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, no, absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know what I should do is connect you with, uh, if you don't know him, I'll know him already, which you probably do, Jim Glickenhaus, who was a guest here on the show. He has, uh, uh, a beautiful old vintage Ferrari that he's actually made drivable for the street. Uh, and he drives it. There's pictures of him in New York City driving that old Ferrari through Manhattan. Perfect. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he even said he put air conditioning in it, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, maybe you I could. need music. Music too. Well, I think the engine is the music. What do you mean? That's the only music you need in that car. I always have the tunes on, no matter how wonderful the exhaust sounds. There you go. You know, especially, I mean, you bring a nice girl with you, you're going to cross country, you need music. There you go. There you go. Well, I will get to work on that uh, reproduction Ferrari P4 for you that you can drive anywhere with the best damn sound system you can imagine. So how does that sound? I'm ready. All right. I'm buckled in in my seat. <laughs> I know. Well, this has been a great ride. You've taken me on a great ride, Camilo, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing so much time with us and your automotive journey with the Car Shadow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off across the country in that Ferrari P4? Don't ever buy a car that you don't love. Ah, yes. Very, very important. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along and see more of what you're doing these days? Well, I do what I can. Throw a picture up on Instagram. I'm going to have to get better about that. You have your website, I mean, right? So, Yeah, my website, but it's out of date. So it's up to me to communicate with the public more so they can see what's going on. Many times things happen on automatic pilot. As you do things, it surfaces and, you know, people get back to me. Hey, I saw that you were there. I saw that you were at this show. Right. I saw that you were at the track. So it's, uh, it's an engine running on automatic, but I should help it out some more so that you guys can see what we're doing. Yes, please, please do. Well, listeners, I'll make sure you can find links to everything that we've talked about again here on Cars Yeah on Camilo's Cars Yeah website page. And, even though he says his website's a little out of date, go there and check it out because there's some wonderful artwork there, fashion design, uh, historical references to what he's worked on, but uh, follow him on Instagram as well as I do. Hey, Camilo, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. It's been great. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Dot com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.